Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rambosity, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's good, everybody? Hope that this finds you well. I am once again inside the Thomas Winborn's office with Thomas Winborn. What's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's been a good morning, a good evening or afternoon, so it's going pretty well. Nice. Um, I actually uh, got to go play disc golf with one of our students who's going off to boot camp. Yeah, I'm um, excited for him. That kid went through a transformation before oh, this. Dude, he was like, you know, I mean, he's lost like 50 pounds, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. That's and awesome. so he ships out on Monday. And so um, his last Sunday with us is this Sunday. So yeah, that's good. Um, I'm really excited for him, really praying for him as he gets ready to go to Fort Jackson. He's coming on Sunday? Mm-hmm, he's coming on Sunday. That's so, great, dude. Yeah, man, it's going to be the last Sunday with us. So I Let's, let, let's pray for him, man. That's I think, I yeah, 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 let's pray for him. I think that'd good. be awesome. So, hey, um, let's go. Let's keep going back into the intro questions. So, tell us about a place that you've gone out of co- your context on mission. So, essentially, like doing like a mission trip of some kind of yeah. outside of your normal context. Yeah. So, I've gotten to do that quite a bit in my life as a believer, and one of the places I've been to the most, probably around ten times, eight to ten times, is uh, Haiti. And um, we uh, were praying at the previous church where I was serving. We were praying about, right after I arrived, where would God lead us to go international? And um, right when we were praying through that is when the earthquake happened in Haiti. Uh, It killed thousands, displaced thousands more. And um, so we just prayed about that. God led us to go. Uh, and we worked there uh, building houses the first several trips down, and then we uh, transitioned into helping with an orphanage that was beginning out of some work that some IMB missionaries have been doing down there. Nice. And uh, we stayed working with that and helped with a community where the orphanage moved to. Um, really cool things. Like in the first few times down, we worked to build houses in this community in Port-au-Prince. And um, when we were there, uh, we started, the, the community was less than like 15% Christian in the community. And when we were done in that place building houses, it was over 70% Christian. Dude, that's insane. It's crazy, man. Yeah, man. So really cool. Um, I even struggled with the whole idea of like these Haitians were way harder workers than we were. Uh, and they could slap a house together in no time compared yeah. to what we could do. So by the fourth trip down, I was like, why don't we even come? We should just send money. Uh, but that particular trip, I had one of the, the Haitian brothers looked at me and our time of worship at night and started crying and just said, the fact that you guys have committed to come here and consistently come to serve us has been the greatest blessing of encouragement to us here and um, if you hadn't done that, w- many of us would not be Christians. Man, that's incredible. You know, it was really, really incredibly moving and um, just been a, a, a classic place. It's so cheap to go to Haiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, a trip back then cost 850 bucks total, flight, food, transportation. That's I mean, incredible. It was crazy to go mm-hmm. international. So, And it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. So I, that, mean, I, mean, it, I mean, it's a third world country yeah, in a is. lot of ways yeah. in the Western Hemisphere. And we don't think about that a lot when we think of third world countries. We yeah. think of India, you know. Um, well, India's even, they're kind of on the come up in some areas. Yeah, sure. So, but anyway, um, for but, me, um, I have never been international on a mission trip and Thomas was kind of shocked to know that. And so, um, I just never had the money to do it. And, and then just once again, just, I know I could raise funds, but it was always one of those things, just the season of life never allowed it. And then there was a couple that I committed to that they fell through. But for me working out of my context, um, I actually worked with a church plant in Pamal city and in Pamal city beach over a couple of summers, 
um, one time for two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. And so um, it was the same church plant. They started in Pamal City, um, which is a separate city from Pamal City Beach. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but they started in Pamal City inside a uh, glass store. Like they like met inside a garage that replaced car glass. Like they kind of converted it um, on Sunday mornings, and then uh, they moved to an elementary school in Pamal City Beach because they noticed that a lot of their people were driving across the bridge, and so they said we can reach more people if we go here. Um, last I checked, they're still gathering. They're still doing a lot of cool things, and so I think they actually have their own building now, which is really cool. And so um, I got to contribute to that in just a little bit of a way. So cool. Tell me, what's your uh, most recent book purchase, Tyler? Um, I talked about this book a, lot, a few weeks ago on the um, on the podcast, uh, *Sapiens: um, A Brief History by Humankind* of of humankind by um, I can never pronounce his name. He's a Jewish um, professor. His name's like Yuri something. Um, but just once again, really secularized view of um, mankind, um, very atheistic view. And so I finished it a couple weeks ago. Really challenging book, obviously, because you know I don't know how you can live without hope. Does that make yeah, sense? Sure. So, um, but really, really good book though. I mean, I really enjoyed it um, overall as a book. What about you, brother? So the most recent book I purchased, I've, I've purchased a few of these actually over the years, and I keep giving them away to people that ask questions about this. But uh, it's by Alexander Strzok, and uh, he's a beast, by the way. Yeah, he is a beast man, and he uh, wrote this book that I, I recently bought called Paul's Vision for the Deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, the subtitle is Assisting the Elders with the Care of God's Church. Yes, and uh, it's just a great, the the, the wonderful part about what Alexander Strzok does and what this book does is simply that it gives you so much scripture. It ba- he basically just lets scripture tell the story of what you should do and how you should do it and why you should do it. And then also um, what the roles are for deacons and then for elders as well. So it's a really great book. Yeah. Um, one that I would encourage anybody that would like to serve in that role to, to pick up. And I really, uh, let me tell you this about uh, you know, Dr. Strzok. He's a really cool dude. We were at TGC uh, 19 walking through the booths, you know, and so Thomas said, hey, I'm going to go talk to this guy. And Thomas said, talk to him. And he said, you know, on the way home, he, Thomas texted him. I'm like, who are you texting me? Oh, I'm texting Dr. Strzok. Like, he gave me his phone number and was like, you know, like praying with you, like starting a conversation yeah. with you. So I was yeah. like, dude, that's really stinking cool, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, he's not like the most well-known, like, celebrity pastor, you know, like, yeah. and I, I'm not a big fan of that word even. But at the same time, he's like a, you know, he's a, he's, he's the most well-known guy on this topic. I mean, yeah. he just so much good stuff on biblical eldership. Well, everybody we know says, read this guy. Yeah. I mean, it's because his books are so well-written and they're so just replete with scripture. Yes. It's so yeah. good. All right. So uh, what's one of your favorite Bible stories and why? Okay. So one of my favorite Bible stories. I knew this one was coming. Yeah, when I saw the question, I was like, this one's coming. Judges 4. Yep. Uh, most people call it the story of Deborah and Barak. Everybody uh, begged Thomas to do a series on Judges. Please. I want to do one. I want to do it. Good. It's going to be good. <laughs> but Judges is horrible. And so um, I'm trying to find the right timing for it. Oh, dude, 2020 is great, man. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. You know, that'd be great. Let's do you a series you... on how everything spirals down into nothingness and horribleness. You think it's better now? Let's read Judges. Yeah. So, so Judges 4 is about Deborah Barak, and then the real hero is J.L. Yes. And nobody knows that story. So real quick, so Deborah and Barak. Uh, Deborah is a prophetess. and uh, Female Bar- judge, too. Yeah, a female judge. And Barak is the guy that's leading the army. Mm-hmm. Well, he's supposed to go defeat this enemy led by a guy named Sisera. But uh, he, re- he basically is like quaking in his boots. And, and Deborah is like, you got to go. God's saying go. And he says, okay, if you go with me, you know, I'll do it. And so uh, Deborah's like, okay, I'll go with you, but you won't get the glory. Uh, a woman will. 
And then everybody's thinking, oh, yeah, Deborah's going to get the glory, right? Well, in the end, they defeat the army. Sisera, the leader of this evil army, goes running off. He runs through this area where this woman named Jael is. She beckons him into her tent. She gives him some milk. He passes out from exhaustion. And this is Sisera, right? And this is Sisera, okay. right? And uh, Jael takes a tent stake and puts it next to his temple and bashes it through his head into the ground and kills him. Mm-hmm. And so then they sing a song about what happened. And Deborah's mentioned, but so is Jael. And Jael's the one who killed Sisera when it should have been Barak who yeah. should have killed Sisera and got the glory for it. Yes. So um, I've begged my wife to name uh, any female daughter of mine Jael, but she won't go for it. <laughs> what a scary it. name. Some dude shows up to go out with your girl, you know, and you're like, you know she's named Jael. Do you know why? Yeah, hey, and you tell the story. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let me, hey, hey, brother. Let me explain to you why her name is JL. Yeah, because yeah, I've been teaching her these things. <laughs> <laughs> She's really good with the tent bag. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about you, man? Uh, man, I love the story in First Kings nineteen. Um, Elijah, you know, hearing the voice of God in the cave. Like, I mean, like this like, massive like lightning storm comes, but God wasn't in it. And then this massive windstorm comes, and like fire comes, and all this, God wasn't in it. And then it's just a small still whisper. And I think that so many times in this life, you know, I just resonate with this. We look for these big God moments. Like, yeah. like, like, like we're seeking out this burning bush. Like, like we, we're, we're looking for God to be speaking in the lightning and the thunder and then the fire and all these different things. Most of the time, and I would actually say nearly all the time, it's that small, still voice that we hear. Well, yeah, the, the reason for that, too, is right. It's supposed to be relational. You're walking with God. Yes. All it takes is a nudge or a whisper. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take him yelling at you to get your attention. Yes. He uses those times when he's not got your attention. Yes. And so that why, why would he speak that way to you if you're walking with him closely? Like yes. he's your best friend. They would just lean over and kind of say something quietly to you. Yeah. You know? Um, that's the way it should be. Yeah, and especially right now in this season, like in two days from when we record this podcast, it will be, well, no, actually tomorrow. Um, it'll be five years since my dad passed away. Mm. And those moments where, you know, in the pain, which C.S. Lewis says this, you know, pain is the megaphone that God uses to rouse us in yeah. that world. Yeah. And God was screaming at me in those moments, you know. And, and it was just so interesting to watch my relationship with God change in the midst of that. And even to now, how I relate to God, I seek the whisper. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like like, sure. like, like in, the, in the still and silent, listening for God's voice. And so that I just really resonate with that story. I also think it's a, it's a really good story. So go read it, First Kings 19. That's good. So, What's a, uh, a book, what's one book you'd recommend any genre? So for me, man, and I'm going to go off the rails right here, okay? <laughs> the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. Now, the, 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 the Most m- people don't know there's, this even exists. No, and so, so, so the legend is, and now we don't know if this is like fact, Tolkien and Lewis, over a few pints, flipped a coin on at who the, was... At the Eagle and Child, yes, which they the, called the Bird and the Babe. The Bird and the Babe, Which is yes. the little pub right, a, right below where I stayed for a summer in Oxford. In Oxford. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, pretty awesome. They essentially flipped a coin, and one was going to write a series on time travel, and one was going to write a series on space. Well, Lewis got space, and Tolkien got time travel. Now, Tolkien died before his book was published, but his son actually finished them, and so yeah. you can actually find those. Um, I've never read them. Um, I've never actually picked those up. I, I'm going to be real with you, hot take. I'm not the biggest Tolkien fan, and yeah. so yeah, I like I, I like Tolkien. I like the Lord of the Rings. It's just, He's beefy to read. Oh, man. dude, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. You gotta learn an Elvish language. Yeah, but um, Elvis language. I'm just, oh. yeah, I'm just kidding. It's Elvish. I'm just kidding. He's, <laughs> Elvish. Yeah, the Elvis language. Um, hey, baby. All right. So anyway, so the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis, Out of the Silent Planet, uh, Perilandra, and then that hideous strength. All of it, once again, as Lewis was famous for, an allegory for the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Incredible allegory too, by the way. Um, 
I can't even describe it. It's very adult-centric, too, and I don't mean, like, mature audience or anything like that. It's just, if a kid was reading this, I'd be like, what in the world's going on? Yeah. But, like, teenage adult, oh, man, like, when I was, like, 20 years old, I bought the entire trilogy on my iPad. Oh, my gosh. I, I love those books. Mm-hmm. And so, recommend to you. What about you, brother? Uh, so, it's a simple book. It's really short. In fact, I'm not sure the length of it. Uh, it says it's 130 pages, but it's super big margins, really nice-sized print. It's called Cultivating a Life for God, Cultivating a Life for God, Multiplying Disciples Through Life Transformation Groups by Neil Cole, Neil Cole, Cultivating a Life for God. And actually, if I had to, there's like one chapter um, that I think is kind of the chapter and um, Life Transformation Group System, Chapter 8. And um, man, if, if people would just like check this whole book out or read just that chapter, I think that it would be worth the effort on that. And you can buy that book for like a couple bucks you used, um, or you can pick it up new for probably like 10 or $11. And um, it, it enables you to be a disciple maker with very little knowledge of scripture yes. and very little effort of preparation, but uh, it, it teaches you how to do that through a system. Yeah, you actually gave me this book when you first came. I don't yep. know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you gave me this book, and I really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorites. And yeah, so, it's really good. Everybody, uh, I think everybody should read it. Yeah, and so, all right, so we're going to go back to some Q&A questions. We're going to tackle two of them today. We're going to do it pretty rapid fire um, because we um, have a lot of questions to take off. And so a couple of them we've had to study. A couple of them we're going to like to say, you know what, this is the way we would do these things. And so the question that we're going to tackle first, this is asked by a church member. Um, she asked this, what are some practical ways to keep each other accountable, both individually and as a Christian? And why is that important? So, Thomas. Wait, wait, wait. both individually and as a congregation. Yes. And why is that important? Yes. You said Christian. Oh, did I say Christian? Yeah. Oops. And as a congregation. Sorry. And why is that important? I'm a fast reader sometimes, and I just make up words as I go. <laughs> I'm not Michael Scott. You know, I just I start a sentence, and I don't know where it's going sometimes. So, anyway. So, I would start off with this by saying that... Uh, the last podcast before this is really helpful here. Um, I think accountability it means being a part of a small group and maybe even a D group, which we call a yes. smaller gender specific group um, that you're consistently with, so that if you're if you're not there, they miss you, they reach out to you. Um, because you can go to Sunday school and not ever be missed because nobody ever calls you. If they see you gone, they just think, oh, they're busy, right? Mm-hmm. So having some accountability there for if you're not there, how is life going? Part of it means you got to be confessional with each other. Yep. That means you've got to share where you're struggling. So like, how are you doing? Where's God working in you? Where are you failing in your walk with God? How can I pray for you? Those are good questions yep. to ask one another. And then when they say how they're struggling, then you pray for them in that and you check in on them about yes. those things. So that's why we talk about this place being a or our community, our church being a Christ-centered, Jesus-centered, confessional community, mm-hmm. confessing our sins, confessing our struggles, doing so in the context of community. That, I think, is the basis for keeping each other accountable individually and as a congregation. Yeah, and so, and I would even go back to this. Um, a lot of us, like, I mean, for example, my accountability partner, he lives in Florence. Um, me and him, we developed a relationship, uh, like, you know, accountability relationship when we were in college. And then he moved off to, um, he was at Gaston State, I was at Jacksonville State, and he moved off to UNA. Uh, we still talk, you know, try to talk once a week and just check in on one another. Hey, man, like, we know we know one of their struggles and all these things. And then that way, like, I mean, I like having that relationship even outside of the faith family, you know, in that way. Um, I think that's a really good way to keep one another accountable. But then... Sure. 
one of the best ways as a congregation, go back and listen to our episode on church discipline. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's one of the best ways for us to practice biblical accountability um, because the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about accountability partners. No. We talk about those things. We kind of, you know, make, and, and it's a good, it's a good practice. Sure. But the best way to hold one another accountable is church discipline. Well, the book I just talked about, Cultivating a Life for God by Neil Cole, actually has in the back of it these tear outs and their strategic prayer focus for who you can pray for. And then on the other side, it has character conversation questions. It's an accountability list. Yes. So you just ask these questions to each other. That's really helpful, but the Bible doesn't say you need to do that per se. No. Um, but I think it it's healthy. It does say confess our sins to one another. Yes. You're right. And so working together to confess your sins, to be honest and real with somebody, it takes time, it takes trust, it may be one individual, but I would encourage you to do that with a small group of believers that you meet with regularly. Yes. Um, because it does keep you accountable. And we all know when people know something about us, we know they're going to ask us about it, then we strive harder in those areas. Yes. And I mean, and this is one thing that I would once again push you towards developing your own B group. And you can do this on your own. You don't yeah. have to have us. Yeah. Um, use the book it. by Neil Cole yeah. I just talked about. Yeah. You can do it. Um, you can do it. And use the Bible. You know, I mean, like, I mean, not trying to like super like Jesus juke you, but. No, what I mean, I mean that's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Cultivating no. Life for God says you do three things. You ask each other accountability questions. Yes. You read scripture together. Yes. And, and then you pray for the lost. Gotcha. That's what you yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that, that's it's a simple pattern. Uh, anybody can do it, and you don't have to know a lot to do it or be, you know, a super teacher. Yeah. It's meant to be a conversation group across yeah. the table. And this goes back to our last episode where we're talking about heart transformation and communicating yeah. information. Yeah. Um. So many times in Sunday school, like I can count on one hand how many times, like in Sunday school, there was like confessional moments that I saw. Yeah. Never, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, and and you may your experience may be completely different, so it's completely anecdotal, you know, evidence on my end. But what I'm saying is the times I've been most confessional was when I was sitting over a table with someone and talking about our struggles and then reading scripture and how those scriptures actually combat those struggles. Yeah. And um, I always say this, one of the, be- the best ways to be a leader is to be transparent sure. and to let people know that you're broken. And because, yeah. I mean, if they see that, then they feel more comfortable in their brokenness and yeah. realize that, man, we're all limping towards a savior. Well, in a very small group, you get into like 12, or larger group, yeah. you're not going to have very no. much of this. You've got a group of four or five people, especially gender specific. Gender specific and is a big you, deal for me. If you go yeah. real about a struggle, then the other guys in the group or the ladies in the group will most likely also follow suit and open up and confess about their struggles as well. Yes. Um, I, I've very seldom have I talked about a struggle in my life in a group like that where somebody didn't go, gosh, you too, me, me too. Yeah. Like I'm the same way. I struggle with the same thing. And being very, very specific about your struggles. Yeah, being very specific yeah, like, about like, like you taught you you taught me this when you first came about the real method yeah. uh, that you've developed and if you want more information about that reach out to Thomas he has a really great method of how to break down the scriptures yeah uh, but in the real method like there's a part of examine you know confessing your sins so many times like yeah man I've been struggling with pride well and then like I mean like go deeper <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what do you mean you've been struggling with pride brother like or like yeah so a specific example yeah. would be uh, recently I've been struggling with pride because I've been leading my kids to act a certain way throughout the day and when they refuse to do so it it angers me because they've sinned against me and so my pride then leads me to want to be heavy-handed and disciplined Mm. instead of gracious and kind and merciful and uh, that's a specific area so uh, saying you struggle with pride well yeah everybody right but Mm -hmm. what's the specific thing you're struggling with now it's real personal now it's real now you have accountability yep and that's why that's one of the best ways you can do those things so and why is it important 
because of the Bible, right? And so, <laughs> thanks, Tyler. <laughs> it's also important because if you want to grow, it, we're never meant to do that alone. Yes, we're built for community. We're built in the image of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit together, the Trinity. So we're meant to be in community as He is. Yes, so hundred percent. So, yeah. all right. So, all right. No, nope, I'm doing this one. <laughs> All right, Tyler's super excited about this, and there's a question about Jude 9, and the question basically was, what in the world is going on? (laughs) Okay, so Jude is a one-chapter book. I broke it down in a class where I walked through how to study the Bible. I love Jude. I've taught it multiple times. Um, but there's this verse, okay, and the verse is in the context. Such a weird verse. Yeah, it's a weird verse. I'm going to read Jude uh, verse 8 through 10, okay, okay? and then we're going to focus on verse 9, all right? right. Verse 8 says this, Yet in like manner, these people also, talking now about, but real quick, talking about the whole purpose of Jude is basically to confront false teachers and to deal with false teachers. So he's referring to false teachers. He says, Yet in like manner, these people, the false teachers, they also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Verse 9. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Verse 10. But these people blaspheme all they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. All right, so Tyler's been really working on this one. Yes. And he has come up with and found a theory for the background of this, and I have mine as well, but I'm going to let Tyler kick us off with okay, what so, he thinks is going on. So there's, this is the thing about this passage, and me and you've talked about this. It's referring to something that's extra biblical. Like, you know, it's referring to something that when we look and say, okay, where in the world was Michael arguing with the devil? We go, Okay, that's nowhere found in the Bible, right? And so this is why it's one of the best books to teach hermeneutics on. Yep. Because, um, and, I, and I wish I could have been there on Wednesday nights when you were teaching it, just to watch everybody's mind blow, you know? But I've been doing some research on this. And I found this theory, all right? And it's, and it's gosh, it's good. It's so good. All right, so jump over to Matthew 17, okay? This is the transfiguration of Jesus, all right? Matthew 17, Jesus takes with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them two people. Who were those two people, Thomas? Elijah and Moses. Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus. All right, so that's really interesting because Elijah never died. All right, Elijah was one of two people in Scripture that we know of that was taken to heaven. We have Enoch, who walked with God. Mm -hmm. And we have Elijah. Enoch is also mentioned in Jude. Yes, Enoch, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, and so... Those two, those two sources, but it's really interesting because at the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses appears as well. And so what's up there? What's going on? All right, so here we go. Deuteronomy 34, the death of Moses, um, which always cracked me up because we know that we, we believe that Moses, you know, wrote um, Deuteronomy. But he died. But he died. But he wrote the ending. <laughs> so, so obviously he didn't write the end of Deuteronomy. <laughs> so it just cracks me up. He's like writing this. So he's like writing by the Spirit of God. And like, what? Well, we also so, probably know that most of the first five books of the Bible were oral traditions. Yes. And so while he may have authored them in mm-hmm. the sense of rewriting them originally yes. as oral tradition, he probably wasn't necessarily the only one writing them down. Yes. Right. Given to him by God and then oral traditions. And yes. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, it's the all Torah. led by the Holy Spirit yeah. kept intact. I mean, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And so um, verbal plenary inspiration. You talked That's about right. that on Sunday. That's right. What's That's up? Right. All right. So Deuteronomy 34, 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the land of Moab, opposite of Beth Peor, 
and no one knows the place of his burial to this day. All right, so this is really this is where the interesting theory comes into play. So this is the only place in Scripture that actually talks about God burying someone. Yep. Okay, the Father burying someone. It said, and the Lord buried Moses. Okay, so this is where we come into this. What if, all right, now we're speculating within biblical grounds, biblical yeah. speculation's okay here. It's like the book of Revelation. We don't really know what it's talking about. We have to speculate on a lot of it. What if the Lord burying Moses was actually him taking Moses with him in the same way that he took Elijah, in the same way that he took Enoch? When we say this, Jewish tradition, they know where everybody's buried. I mean, like they know where the burial ground of Abraham is. They except know, for Moses. Except for Moses. They don't know. All right. And so um, I like this theory a lot because then we go back to Jude 9. Why was Satan so upset about the body of Moses? Because God glorified the body of Moses before Christ came. If that's what happened. If that's what happened. My only hesitation with this theory is the fact that it says God buried him. But we don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. But it says God buried it him. It says God buried him, but what if God's burial... So it doesn't burial... say God pretended to bury him and then took him up to heaven, you know? <laughs> yeah, it God, says God buried like, him. Like, like, digs a grave over here and then, like, you know, yeah. brings him... I, it does say that, all right? Like, I, I'll give you that. But what if that is, once again, I mean, you've talked about right. what the human author, you know, Saul went with, but then the Lord's burial is different than what we even... Well, we, we, we could even fathom in that way. Yeah, it could simply be, right, the, the enemy doesn't know where Moses is buried. The archangel does. He did the work for the Lord, maybe. Yeah. And it says, when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, fighting with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous but judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So we're not really sure exactly what happened there. That's a good theory that Tyler has. Yes. It, it, and I think a legitimate theory is simply that these guys are arguing about it. The thing I love about teaching Jude is you go, well, hey, it's not in the Bible, so is this real? And some people are like, well, it's not, you know, spiritual. It's not spirit-led. It's not spirit-divinely inspired. And I'm like, well, it is now because yeah. it's in the Bible. So it's nowhere found in the Bible, but now it's mentioned in the Bible, so yes. now it's divinely inspired, right? So it's something that so, happened. So I mean, it is this something is... that happened. We know it is. Here's what I love about the overarching piece here, right? It's awesome to look at this and wonder about it and make a theory, but let's look at it again, verse 8 through 10. Yet in like manner, these false teachers, these people also, relying on their dreams instead of Scripture, defiling the flesh instead of being holy, rejecting authority instead of living under authority yes. of God, and blaspheming the glorious ones, which could be angels, God himself, mixed together, we don't know. Um, but but blaspheming, not yes. doing what they should. He says, but when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all they do not understand, and yes. they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. In other words, these people, these false teachers, blaspheme stuff left and right, not understanding what in the world they're talking about. Don't be like them. Don't follow people like that. Follow those who are holy, who try to seek after God, who rely on the scriptures, who fall under the authority of the scriptures, and who do not blaspheme. Yes. And so that's what the point is. Yeah. The point is that it's cool to look at the other and try to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, once again, what we're so tempted to do because of verse numbers yep. is pluck a verse out and go, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, Augustine has this really, and I mean, or you can say St. Augustine, you know, Augustine. Or, yeah, Augustine all day. Yeah. And so get out of here with that mess. All right. So Augustine has this really good illustration. We talking about stained glass 
And he said, so many times, if you just walk up and stare at one broken piece of stained glass and go, okay, why is this thing red? You know, and why, 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 why is it this variation of red? Instead of backing up and appreciating the full yeah, picture the of stained glass, yep. of what stained glass really is, well, then you're going to miss it. You know, I mean, what, what's, what's that about the woods? It's like you're missing, you're missing the forest. Yeah, for, you miss the forest for the trees. Yeah, the trees for the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, I'm so, this, so. yeah so the point is this. It's great to think about it. It's good to theorize. It's fun. But at the end of the day, what's the point? The point is don't be like these false teachers and don't follow people like that. Yeah, and look at more. That's the point. Look at Michael's, I mean, look at Michael's example. What did he do with Satan? The Lord rebuked Yeah, you. he left that up to the Lord. Yeah, the he Lord left it to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not, I mean, not my place to rebuke you. Yeah, it's not my place to rebuke you. And so... Um, but my theory is right. And which so, I love that verse, by the way, because it's saying instead of what a lot of false teachers say, which is you look at the devil and you say to the devil, hey, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Well, what does he say here? He Lord says, rebuke the you. Lord rebuke you. Yes. That is not our place. Anytime you see angels fallen or otherwise appear in scripture, people hit their face in the dirt and cower in fear because they are tremendous beings yes. that invoke great fear. Yeah. So don't be thinking that we're all powerful over so, them, so but God hold up, is. Hold up, hold up. Are you telling me that Kenneth Copeland blowing the wind of God, though? Yeah, that, that's a you. quote, by the way. All right. Like blowing the wind of God. Yeah. To blow away COVID. Yeah. Are you telling me that's wrong? I think that's bull. <laughs> hockey. Bull hockey. Yes. There yeah. we go. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's not All our right. place. We can pray for God to do that. We do not command that no. upon God. No. Look look up that video, please, y'all. Just That guy's... Or don't wrong. and just pray for people that believe no, it. No, no, you got to look up the video because it's so it's bad. It's ridiculous. It's so bad. Did you see the rap song that somebody did with that? No, I have Okay, not. I'm going to put the rap song in at the end of this podcast so that oh y'all can hear it. And so I'm kidding. I won't do that. Yeah, don't but, do that. But anyway, um, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, Thomas didn't hear it, but my theory is right. All right, so when we get to heaven, we'll realize it and everybody can just like, look at just, man, where's Tyler? Like, uh, and I'll be waving in the back. Hey, yeah, because uh, you're going to be the one getting glory in heaven. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> I'm kidding. My theory is absolutely wrong. I'm sorry, hey, Jesus. The big point here is, listen, we've tried to answer a couple of these questions. We worked really hard on it, and I hope that it's helpful for you. If you've got other ideas, I'd love to hear about them. We'd love to hear your theories. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, this is all about us being refined to be the church that Jesus intended us to be. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.